Welcome to another podcast episode of Dr. MC's Self-Care Cabaret. I'm Teresa Melito connors a PhD-level self-care expert in the greater Boston area with a passion for helping others take control of their health and well-being to find their spotlight. Today's episode is a conversation with Rachel Bertone. Rachel Bertone is an award-winning director, choreographer, and professor of theater and dance. She has staged more than 50 musicals and has garnered an international student base. Credits include award-winning productions of Cabaret, In the Heights, Carousel, The Wild Party, Gypsy, Kiss of the Spider Woman, Billy Elliot, Little Shop of Horrors, Showboat, Hair, West Side Story, My Fair Lady, and Guys and Dolls, just to name a few. She recently directed a digital piece of theater for Kate Kerrigan and Brian Loudermilk's musical, The Mad Ones. Upcoming, Rachel will choreograph Van Gogh, a new musical which she helped co-conceive, and she is choreographing Little Black Book, an original pop rock musical about the life and times of Heidi Fleiss. She has served as a faculty member at Boston Conservatory at Berkeley, American Repertory Theater Institute at Harvard University, Emerson College, and Long Island University. I met Rachel years ago as we grew up dancing and performing together, and we stayed in touch over the years. I have taken Rachel's musical theater dance classes and have been a big fan of her work. It has been amazing watching her career unfold. I am thrilled she is here with us to chat today. Welcome, Rachel, to the Dr. MC Self-Care Cabaret podcast. I'm so excited to connect with you and have you here with me today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. And I think um, Rachel and I, oh gosh, I don't know. We were little when we met and started dancing together. Maybe elementary school? Elementary school sounds correct. You guys maybe like fifth or sixth grade. Taking over. Yeah, so late elementary school, maybe I might have already been in middle school. But anyway, a long time ago. A long time ago. ago. (laughs) (laughs) And I've been watching Rachel grow into a phenomenal uh, performing artist and dancer and choreographer over the years. And it's been awesome to watch this unfold. So I'm excited to chat with you. So we're going to dive right in. Question one, you work as a full-time award-winning performing artist, director, choreographer, professor, and more. And I'm wondering how you balance everything and find time for self-care along the way. Ooh, always self-care. You know, I'm going to start with the second part first, actually. You know, it. I preach to my students and to my actors all the time that we need to be balancing, you know, it's about our heart and our minds, right? Just as much as the work that we put in, right? And that takes self-care. And a lot of times we don't put that first. And... I'm a big advocate for actually for therapy. I say to a lot of my actors that it's really important to be in therapy. And so when I actually used to go to therapy, my therapist would always say, you need to literally schedule in your self-care time because as a driven type A, slightly OCD personality, I... I don't know anybody else like like that. No, no, no. I'm the total opposite. opposite. You know, it's, it's challenging. We, as and, and I'm sure you can relate to this as women in the, you know, in our business and leading like, 
busy careers. We, we want, we, we feel like there's this need to be perfect at everything and, and to keep working and to feel like we're, we're always busy. We're always active. And oftentimes our own personal health can go, go to the wayside. So my therapist actually taught me to just schedule in self-care time. If that was even just going for a walk, if that was sitting down to journal, if that was even sitting down to just like color, you know, as an artist, obviously I find joy in artistic things, but just time for me. Um, and so that is, that is truly what keeps me balanced. I think when I go into my work, because then I have a clear mind. I have a clear mind to get as much done as possible. I can start my day off. If I start my day off with journaling or some meditation or something for me, I feel like, okay, I've created that space for myself. Now I can really throw myself into my work fully, joyfully. And then, and, and it doesn't feel like I'm being pulled in all these different directions in, in just terms of work. I, 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 it, but that's taken a long time. That's that's years. Of, <laughs> that's years of practice. So I can't, you know, the, absolutely the pandemic definitely taught me and reminded me of how important that self care is. And um, I was, you know, it it that quarantine time was a bit of a blessing in that way, where I truly put myself first. And now, as I go, as we go back into the theater industry, as theaters opening back up. I am learning now. I just put up a show a week ago and I was reminded, okay, Rachel, you can't forget your self-care time. You will not be as productive and you will not be, um, you won't have the joy unless you can balance, you know, I always say body, heart, mind. Absolutely. You bring up several really good points. One, you know, no shame in working with a therapist. I work with a therapist also and have for several years now. And I definitely suggest that strongly in all of my sessions when I'm working with folks and encouraging them to really have that person you can talk to and build that relationship. Um, it's very important. But also, you know, scheduling the self-care because, and you, you said it, you're more productive when you do. And that's the piece I feel like people don't quite understand. They're like, well, I don't have the time. It's like, yes, but if you make it a priority and you make the time, it actually will free up other time because you're better focused. You're able to be more creative. You're able to like just function better as a human. But it's fascinating. People don't understand that. They don't. And I often find that instead of using that time for yourself, you're going to use that time being anxious about something else as a part of your day. So if you can clear your mind ahead of time, maybe that anxiety won't even come up, possibly. <laughs> or yeah, or right. you're better, or as I say, you're better equipped to handle that moment when the anxiety and the stress pops up because you've taken that time for yourself. And like I said, much easier said than done, but... Of course. It's actually the whole reason I got into self-care. And I've, I've told this story before, but just to give a Cliff Notes version, I, I at first I thought it was, you know, something special just to me that I was feeling really burnt out working in this really fast paced, um, intense environment. It was a therapeutic high school mm -hmm. with, with students with lots of social emotional needs. And I, it was difficult to process all the information coming at me and I wasn't taking care of myself. I didn't even really know what that meant as fresh out of grad school, you know? And, but I thought this was unique. I thought, Oh, I must be the only person to have ever experienced this. And so I started studying it for my own benefit, turned to the works of Deepak Chopra and Dr. Wayne Dyer yes. and those folks. And then I realized, wait a minute, this is not 
just special to me. <laughs> this is a whole, this is a problem, which is why then when I went on to further my education with my uh, PhD, you know, this made sense to me to, to really study this and how I can help people do better with this because it is important that we put our needs first. Absolutely. So it's excellent. I feel also Thank that, you. Oh, I was going to say, I feel like people also don't realize that there are, there are tools and skills and, and, and professionals who, who've done the work already for us. And so, you know, I, sometimes there's a stigma with, oh, let's go to the self-care section at the bookstore and pick up the, and, it, and no, it, it's, and they're all preaching the same thing or very similar ideas of the same thing. And it's, you know, for me, it was life-changing when I got a hold of those books and those, um, those experts in the field. Do you have a favorite? Ooh. I'm wondering. Um, I mean, I have, I'm trying to think of all the books I have of, of Wayne Dyer right now. I love Wayne Dyer. I actually, I highly recommend um, uh, by Gabrielle Bernstein, 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 the super attractor. Not 100% sure. I know who she is. I'm not sure if it's Steen or Stein. Yeah, and um, <laughs> super attractor. And so she, nice. oh, she obviously, she, she's a huge, I don't know if she studied under Wayne or what, like, once again, like, um, she has lots of her own mentors and it's very much, you know, practicing, you know, the law of attraction and how to take care. So I dove and in, delved into that during the pandemic this past year. And I became a huge fan of her work. And I also, I'm a big fan of Julia Cameron, who um, the artist way is another. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's on my, that's on my to read list. Cool. I haven't gotten there yet it's, though. <laughs> it, it's on my recommended text for all my college students. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> Professor Bertone's recommended <laughs> reading. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Well, and it's true. T- I mean, our society doesn't promote this, right? Our society wants us to burn the candle at both ends and where being a workaholic is some badge of honor. It's a, So it becomes a bit of an act of resistance. It's a bit rebellious to be like, no, my needs first. Yep. But it's so much better for us and so much better, you know, to be healthy and happy and productive in the long run. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. Recently, I noticed you had a post on social media about your mindset. And I, I love this. And I thought it was so beautiful. And um, it was about choose joy, how you choose joy every day. So I'm wondering if you'd be willing to share a little bit more about that and how you kind of came to that specific uh, mindset and affirmation or realization, whatever you want to call it. Absolutely. So I was a junior in college, actually, or, or a senior. And you know, I struggled with a lot of people who were close to me who took on the mentality of being a victim, who took on just accepted toxic um, cycles, surrounded themselves with toxic people, didn't know how to break that cycle, didn't know how to get out. And I actually started reading The Artist Way. That was a book recommended to me. There was a time when The Secret first came out and Ooh, I love the secrets. Oh, secret's amazing. <laughs> and everyone's like, what's the secret? And I remember I just got so excited about all of this positive psychology. And I started just reading. And I remember I was I was in that toxic cycle. I didn't I wasn't motivated to I went to the Boston Conservatory for college and I wasn't motivated to get up and go to classes. And I just felt, I don't know, I just was I was in a rut. And I just remember a mentor said to me, you know, what if you can just wake up, just wake up in the morning and just choose 
I don't know if she exactly said choose joy, but she's like, I'm going to get up and start my day like, hello world. <laughs> and it was a little cheesy for me at the time. Of course, anyone who knows me now knows I'm very optimistic and positive, uh, maybe too positive, positive, positive Pollyanna. Um, but <laughs> I, I started just embracing that and I would wake up and I, I said, I can either choose joy or I can choose to be a victim. And mm. I, every day I just woke up and I would just throw the covers off no matter how tired I was or how defeated I felt. And I said, I'm choosing joy. And I got up and I, it, doing that every day, it's like practicing those affirmations, pra positive affirmations, practicing mantras. I, it truly changed my life. And, and I talk, you know, when I talk to my students now, I, I remind them, I say, friends, or not remind them, I tell them, this isn't who I am now and my mindset is not how I used to be. I had to teach myself. I had to practice this mindset. And so choosing joy, I mean, what, what, I mean, if we're not choosing joy every single day, I don't know why we live every day. And if, if we can't bring joy to other people and I, you know, as a teacher, as an educator, as a director, um, I always say to my actors, if you're having fun on stage, if you're embracing joy, the audience will feel that joy and the audience mm. will have fun. And I believe law of attraction and it's contagious. Joy is contagious. So I believe if I can emit joy, then I hope that I can touch other people's lives with that. And it's just become a, a life um, mantra for me. And, but it once again, it took practice and, and commitment to that. And that's really hard. And I can't say every day I walk, I get out of my bed and I'm like, woohoo, can't wait to start today. You know, I, uh, you know, a lot of us had a very, this past year was traumatic. I, and I personally went through a lot of difficult circumstances, um, and a lot of grief and it was very hard to choose joy on, mm. you know, for the last several months. Um, uh, and just, you know, for viewers to know, listeners to know, you know, I, I recently lost my mom. So that was, you know, that, that was difficult, but I'm slowly starting to remember that there can still be joy in life, even amongst grief. And there, and there are those silver linings and, and just reminding myself that is helping me to slowly, slowly get back a little bit onto that. So, but that, you know, that's from years of work too. So it just shows right. like, you know, you, you've set that foundation so that in these moments, it's like as dancers, we build technique so that when we're sick, when we're injured, when we're not emotionally there, we have our technique that we can always hang on to. And so for me, I feel like this has been like, it's like my emotional technique. And so Oh, I love I that. Like, I can hold on to that foundation. I've, I've, that's the first time I'm ever saying that. So I'm going <laughs> to, uh, and, but it's, we might brand that maybe emotional technique. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the podcast episode title. We'll call it emotional technique, choosing joy. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> well, no, it's really important. And I think, and, and I think what struck me a lot too, is that I saw that post you put up with this gorgeous picture. And for our listeners, um, you know, if you, if you see, I'll put up a, a headshot of Rachel when we see it, she's gorgeous. So this beautiful photo and, and this choose joy. And I knew privy to the information that she did recently, um, experience a tremendous loss. And it really struck me. I was like, here's this young woman with the choosing joy in light of everything else going on and in a very um, 
tumultuous time where choosing joy is not easy. Certainly. Um, the last several months, year, I don't even know where we're at now, 15 months or so has been, um, very challenging, let alone, you know, then losing a loved one on top of it. So I just admire you for that. And I think it's really important. And, and of course, not every day is sunshine and roses, but we have a choice and you can choose to be a victim. You can choose to be joyful. You can choose all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. And maybe joyful isn't the right word for someone listening to this, or maybe it is. But I think it's it's really important and something to think about. And we can, I know I can think of people in my life that, you know, have, cro have crossed paths with who definitely live in that cycle of toxicity and that kind of victim mindset and allow themselves to spiral in that. Um, and then they can't, they can't get out of it. And I also promote the secret when I'm presenting in my workshops too. I love it. it I do warn people that the, the documentary is a little cheesy, but the teachings, the teachings though, and what the messages is very real of what they're teaching you and telling you to do. So I definitely, um, like that the laws of attraction and, and all of that work as well. Lots of fun. Absolutely. Awesome. And just to say something off of what you said, you know, um, something I've been learning is maybe you said, maybe it's not a joyful day. Um, I, I said to my dad once, you know, and I don't really, I don't say, I hope you have a, I hope you have a good day. I say, I hope you have an adequate day. <laughs> you know, like even, yeah. like I, and I, and this is in the super attractor. It's grab the lowest hanging fruit in those moments, even, even if it's the lowest hanging fruit and eventually you'll get a little higher, but at least try to get the lowest hanging fruit. And then eventually you work your way up that emotional scale. Um, and so right now, you know, my family and I are having adequate days and that is better than bad days, which we're going to have bad days too, you know, but, um, and it will change over time. So yeah, I just wanted to throw that out. You know, I like that. And I think that's important too, because somebody may be listening and thinking, well, I don't want, I don't want to choose joy. What else you got? Like I need something a little less. Like, so maybe you can choose, let's have an adequate day. Let's have a, or maybe a productive day or just try to find something that went well that day. Even if the whole day maybe wasn't, but maybe you can find one, at least one thing. Setting that intention of I'm going to breathe today. Maybe that's, maybe that's all you can, I'm going to breathe. I'm going to take it one hour at a time. That's okay. That's, that's better than not getting out of bed. Mm, 100%. Awesome. So I know, you know, that the performing arts was, you know, hit particularly hard over the last 15 months or so since COVID hit. So I'm wondering, you know, many folks in the performing arts had projects put on hold or even canceled altogether mm -hmm. due to COVID. And I know, um, you know, you were affected with that, of course. So I'm wondering, you know, how did that affect you? How did you how are you overcoming that? And is there anything specifically that you're looking forward to kind of restarting or getting back into when it's um, safe to do so? Absolutely. So uh, for my directing and choreographing, I had, I think six, five or six shows that summer that I had already, you know, we were about to hold auditions. We were already starting casting and one by one, you know, and the, the we were holding out for a while. Oh, maybe we'll have, let's push it back a month. Let's push it back a month. Let's push it back. And eventually, you know, very quickly, as, as I'm sure you can gather by now, I am an optimist. But this past year, I immediately became a realist. And I just said, you know what? 
it's okay. You know, and, and I felt very privileged. I, I felt privileged being able to say that I would be okay with the arts returning because I'm also a professor. So I have a part-time, I'm an adjunct fun, fun, faculty member. So I, I knew I still had a paycheck coming in just sure. to be very clear with that. Um, but as for all of my shows, those all got canceled and I, and I have my own business. I thought, oh gosh, I won't be able to teach in person. I won't be able to hold my workshops. How am I going to, as a freelancer, how am I going to pay my bills? And I am, I, ch I chose that positive mindset and I said, how am I going to flip the script? How am I going to find the silver lining? And I immediately moved my business to Zoom. Like, as soon, it was like pretty much. It was early on. <laughs> I, I Yes. Day one, I was like, hey, friends. You know, I reached out to my community online, the beauty of social media. I said, who wants to take some Zoom classes? And people were hungry for communal experiences and to keep training. And so I was very blessed that my personal business actually grew in tenfold. And, and, and I, you know, some people were, were like I, I say, privileged because that wasn't the case for a lot of artists. A lot of artists are, are still struggling. A lot of them are my friends. And it's been a very challenging time. And it was very hard um, at times to get motivated. I have friends who it was very motivated. If you didn't have a project to work on, how do you get yourself up to do anything? So yeah. another answer that I immediate, I immediately threw myself into collaborations. And I, I actually now have four new works as I cross. Oh my God. Four new works, four new musicals that I have, I've been working on over the past 15 months that are now actually really starting to launch. And so I really, I really hope that those turn out to be something and, and it's going to be, you know, looking back, wow, we started that during a pandemic. And it was just so important to like, to mo to keep ourselves motivated. We, I needed accountability. And I found that keep having friends to like, Hey, we're going to meet on zoom this week, seven o'clock. Let's see you there. And that kept us driven. That kept us committed. That reminded us that we are artists, no matter what. We can mm. keep creating no matter what. And that's just, and that's very my mindset. That's, you know, hey, how do I, how do I make this work for me? And I, it's this foundation that I've established that really, that I'm really grateful for that allowed me to say, okay, I'm stuck at home. How do I make this work? I am still an artist. I am still going to create. But I did just recently get back. I did have my first gig last week and I directed and choreographed a production. We staged it in five days and I'm actually going back Ooh. next week to go back to tech and open the show. So I wasn't sure how I was going to feel going back. I actually just wrote a story on Instagram and, you know, with the reminder that it's still okay to say no, that we just went through a very traumatic year that you might not be ready to go back to work, especially as a theater artist. You might not be ready to it's a very emotional experience. And, and so it's okay to say no, you don't have to say yes to every opportunity knocking at your door. I obviously really wanted to work with this theater company and getting into the room and working with my actors. I just thought, Oh my God, I am so lucky that this is what I do for a living and that I didn't leave the arts over the last year. And that was, and awesome. once again, I have so many friends who said, Hey, you know what? I'm going to shift gears. I want to start doing this. And that's totally okay too. If that's what brings them joy is leaving the arts and pursuing something else. That's amazing. But for me, my journey was 
I ha I I have to stay in the arts no matter what. And when I put up the show, I thought, okay, I can still do this. We're okay. <laughs> so um, I I just can't I can't wait to just be in the rehearsal room again with with a whole company, you know, this was a smaller cast because of, you know, transition back into theater and COVID, but um, I can't wait to be in front of like a 50 person cast again and just, Oh my God. In a full house, performing full to a full house. house. There's nothing like that energy. Oh, indoors. <laughs> yeah. So the energy, it, 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 it was, it was quite emotional being in the rehearsal room for all of us. Oh, I'm sure. And it was, and we're paying tribute to that in the show. You know, I think it's important to acknowledge the times we're in and, when why are we coming how can we use theater now to heal how can we use theater now to make change and I feel like I have an even bigger purpose now returning to theater that's awesome I'm so excited to see what what comes out of this and for what you say four or five shows in kind of the creative process that's oh, unbelievable that, what I was that you're working on last year yeah I had four I think four shows that I was supposed to do. I don't know. I don't know if they're all going to come back, unfortunately, but. Well, no, the ones you said that you're like working on developing like new work. Oh yes. Yes. So I have, yeah, I have about four. Um, one, one is about, um, Van Gogh and. I was going to ask you about yeah, that one that, specifically. Um, Cause you mentioned put it. Out a, a sizzle. Um, it's an, it was originally going to be a dance play. Um, but now we're turning it into a musical and we just, brought on board a lyricist and a librettist and we I just I was I just came from a meeting for that and we're developing that so and it's going to be told through the eyes of Joe Vincent's sister-in-law and his brother's Theo's wife so very excited for oh, wow. that. so that's in the works and then some other projects I can't reveal just yet but that's okay <laughs> but hopefully you'll be able to hear about them in the future Oh, that's really awesome. And I love too that even with COVID happening, you were able to kind of look at it and it's okay, we can turn this, we can still teach on Zoom. And I think, you know, like you said, you've even been able to reach a broader base of students now and students from all over the world probably now can find you and join your classes and train with you. And that's so cool to have that outreach. It's really cool. Yeah. I have friends in um, Hawaii and Germany and it's, it's pretty magical to be able to stay connected to all of my friends and former students. So in that way, it's been a blessing. I mean, nothing, as I've said this whole year, nothing will ever take away from a live in-person experience. Like no, nothing, but in terms of access, affordability, which I'm big on accessibility and affordability, this has opened up the eyes, especially in theater on what can we do to make theater more accessible. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I love it. So I'm wondering, you know, you also in your work as a professor, of course, you work with many college students and young adults, you know, hoping to pursue careers ultimately in, in performing arts. I'm assuming that's the goal of many of them. And so I'm wondering, what is one piece of advice you have given to students? And you've mentioned a couple already, but I'm going to see what's your, what's your number one to kind of help them navigate these challenging times and embarking on, you know, careers in the performing arts, which can be um, unpredictable at best. Absolutely. You know, I have a lot of sayings that I say to my students. I sound like a broken record, probably. <laughs> so I guess a similar mindset, you know, I always tell my students, if not now, then when? And I think I, I really try to practice what I preach. I really, I really do. So, you know, when 
when pan- the, when the pandemic hit, I thought, okay, I'm not getting any younger. I have to keep my career going. I have to keep finding joy and being creative. And I found those ways. So I always try to teach, I always try to instill in my students, like how can you continuously grow as an artist, but more importantly, as a human being. So if you're not doing this self-care work, if you're not doing the work on yourself as an artist, all of this is for naught, right? So, so I said, okay, great. Use this time, use this past, use this time, AKA last year, this whole past year to, you know, yes, like grow your business. You know, you know, if you're doing your branding, yes, do all of that, but do the self work that you need now that we usually never have quote, never have time for. (laughs) And so now I'm like, and I've said this over and over again, if, if you were privileged enough to be safe in your home and be able to continue your work, if you were not able to find time this past year to work on yourself and to take care of yourself, then you wasted this time. Now, I know that not everyone was in that position. So that's why I consider it a privilege to have been able to work on myself. So I'm always trying to tell them to like do the the, the heart and mind work that you need to do because you can have all of the technique in the world. You can be the most amazing performer, but if you don't have that, the drive, the positive mindset, the sense of joy that you need, to, this business is too hard. And I, and I, you know, and, and I have great respect for artists and we, sometimes we do the impossible, but we are also not, you know, with all due respect to my artists, like we're not, performing brain surgery. So this should be a joyful thing. <laughs> should be fun. <laughs> it should be fun at the end of the day. It takes a lot of work. I'm not saying it's not years and years of work, but we need to be finding the joy. And if you are not finding joy coming to class every single day, also theater school is way too expensive <laughs> to be doing that. So just True. So go pursue the passion <laughs> that you want to be doing. So, so I'm always trying to help them just get in touch with themselves and figure out who are you as an artist? And more importantly, who are you as a human being? A lot of times artists just interchange, you know, it's so much a part of their identity, which isn't bad. I think it's a beautiful thing. As artists, I feel like that's just a part of our DNA, but a lot of us were stripped of that. So now who are you? Can you be a creative person? Absolutely. Maybe your creativity was just used in a different way. And so I helped my students and a lot of my artists, like, how do you continue to bring in an income? How do you continue to wake up each morning and get motivated to go work out? How do you get motivated to take a class online? And once again, it comes, it always comes down to the self-care and the self-work. And so I think I answered part of your question. Well, no, it was, what was the piece of advice that you would give students to help them navigate these challenging times? And I think you did. You did hit upon yeah, it. Yeah, I hit upon it eventually in there. <laughs> well, I think it's important, especially with, you know, we're talking about performing arts. And this is something, obviously, that I have a lot of experience in. And for folks that don't know, my undergraduate degree is in theater. I was been dancing since I was three. That's how Rachel and I met many moons ago. I do have professional credits to my name. I, though, had to make a decision at one point. It w- I was not finding joy in it. And I was not, I was traveling back and forth to New York for auditions. I was working on feature films in Boston, choreographing community and professional productions locally, but it was not, it wasn't enough for me to do it full time. And it wasn't, it didn't feel stable enough. 
So, I mean, that was a really hard decision to make, truthfully, to decide, you know what, this is taking the joy out of something that's very precious to me. And I still love to dance. Five minute dance parties, my favorite Lizzo song or whatever I'm vibing on that day. Like, <laughs> like that's still it's still where I turn for joy. Dancing has always been something that has been a, a safe space for me and something that I do for my own well-being. So when I realized it wasn't going to be something that felt um, safe to pursue at that level, you know, as like a full-time thing. It was a very difficult decision, but these are also, and the point I'm trying to make, these are transferable skills though, too, what we're talking about. Like people sometimes say to me, they're like, oh, you're so good at presenting or, you know, your energy. And even on Zoom, like you come across, it's like, yeah, well, that's, that's actually years of training. Like that wasn't by accident. That was my mom spending a lot of money on dance lessons, like, and performing and costumes and everything else. And an undergraduate degree from Emerson College. I mean, sometimes I joke and I'm like, I have an undergraduate degree in acting. Like I can do this, you know? Know, and I make a joke of it, but because it, it, now working in education and being the self-care expert, I mean, it's not necessarily a, a traditional trajectory that one may have found themselves on, but it makes sense. And these are, though, transferable skills. So for your students, you know, if they don't go on to win Tony Awards and perform full time, like these are still skills they can use. A hundred percent. And, you know, I say this even about, I mean, think of all of our friends who danced with us growing up, who are incredibly talented and stopped after high school or stopped after college. Sure. And my, you know, my younger sister who we danced with too, you know, being a dancer, being an actor, being in the arts, there's so much discipline there. They recently ranked dances. I think the most, what was it? The most, I'm not going to say it correctly. I don't want to say strenuous, but I think like the most physically demanding job, like it was number one dance, maybe choreography actually got number nine, which I was shocked about. <laughs> it is incredibly challenging mentally, physically, emotionally. We have to deal with rejection early on. We have to as Con near constant constantly. in most cases. I mean, we are <laughs> developing very thick skin at a very young age. I don't think any child or young adult who does the arts and then le decides to leave the arts is suddenly at a disadvantage or suddenly mm. like, oh, well, that was a waste of all of that money and years of training. Absolutely not. I look at so many of my artist friends who have gone into so many different careers and I'm like, I see that performer and it's made them that much more successful for it. I believe I am a better teacher and a better businesswoman because I'm an artist. I, I you know... I absolutely, I, I teach that. I teach that in workshops. I'm like, and, and, and the same for, you know, you, you get it. And, and I think it's also, in, it is incredibly difficult to, to say that out loud, like what you did to say, you know what, to pursue this as a full-time career, to, to actually say that as an artist saying, you know what, this isn't bringing me enough joy. It's not bringing enough financial stability, whatever that might be for someone to be able to say, I'm going to go a different direction. And what I teach my students a lot, and I say this, is I, you know, I always thought I'd be performing. I thought I was going to be in a ballet company. And then I was like, oh, never mind. I won't be in a ballet company. I'll be a theater performer. Oh, I don't know, now I'm a choreographer. Oh, now I'm a director. I, I never, it took me a long time to realize this, but those were never failures. Those were just detours directing me to my ultimate true calling. And, yes. <laughs> and all I had to say is, and the path you went on was guiding you to your true calling. And I, and I just, we can learn from our decisions, but I never necessarily, I don't necessarily believe there are like 
wrong, quote, wrong turns we take on this journey called life. It's all teaching us more and more skills. It's teaching us about ourselves. And, and so I don't regret any choices I made along that, you know, journey of my career. And, and, and that's a really difficult, especially for young artists. That's a hard thing to be able to say, Ooh, I've done this my whole life. This is what I, this is the only thing I know. I can't leave it. And sometimes people stay so unhappy mm. and they stay in it. And I'm like, mm, but look at what you said, which was so beautiful. I, you still turn to dance for joy. It doesn't mean it. Always. We will never not be artists. And I, and I believe that of so many different professions, you know, um, but especially artists. That's um, just a part of our DNA, I always say, you know. Oh, a hundred percent. And you went, I might get emotional telling you this, but so I was presenting back when we could see people. I was doing an in-person workshop at, at a pretty big conference. I was pretty proud to have gotten this, this gig and I was presenting on self-care and it was one of my early ones. And at the end of the session, I kind of was like, it was, it went really, really well. Like the, the, the audience, the, the participants were like all about it. I think I got a round of applause at the end and it just, it felt so good. And I called my mother afterwards and I said, you know, this was a really roundabout way to ensure that I still get to perform. Mm -hmm. And it was in that moment that I understood that actually what I am doing is so still related to my performing arts skills, even though it's it's like a very non <laughs> non linear path, and there were definitely some detours along the way, as you said. But it's really it, those skills will never hurt me. And I had someone years ago, someone close to me too, make a rather fresh comment about I was going to get my master's in school counseling, and they said in a super supportive way, "Oh, so what's going on with that theater degree? I guess you're really not using that, huh?" And I thought, "Ooh, ouch." First of all, I am and like, but in maybe in a different way, <laughs> like somewhat horrified. But, you know, um, I'm sure I said something sassy back in the moment. <laughs> I don't re I don't remember exactly. And it might not be appropriate for my podcast listeners. <laughs> but I remember, though, and that actually stuck with me, though. I was like, wow, but like, but I am using those skills and education is never bad. And these are transferable skills and they help me all the time. I mean, in in meetings with different folks where I really have to like stand up and express myself or if I'm going to stand in front of a crowd of people and get their attention and entertain them and teach them like these are skills I all things I draw upon that I learned through that you know dancing and that discipline man people need more discipline like we got back in ballet classes back in the day oh. and at Boston Ballet too <laughs> <laughs> like you didn't mess around you got you didn't have any um no wiggle room for messing around People have, people, I'm generalizing, of course, right now, but a lot of people underestimate the demand of being in the arts and being an artist. And for, I'll, I'll relate to, to your story in the sense that, you know, right, being a quote dancer, people, often people associate dancers as not being as smart as actors. I learned as I went into musical theater. And I want to be like, dancers are so smart. Don't even start. But you know, <laughs> as I continue to, quote, climb the ladder, becoming a choreographer, becoming a director, I had great imposter syndrome over the years because I went to school mm. for dance. I didn't go to school for theater. So, so much of my training over the years was assistant directing and assistant choreographing you know, Broadway directors and, and being in the room and self teaching myself. And 
I got a, I got a lot of, I got several of those snide comments over the years. I remember the first mm. show I ever directed, someone um, on my team, and I'm paraphrasing, uh, said, didn't, didn't want to talk to me about something with the design. And she said, um, well, I mean, you wouldn't understand this anyways. You're only a dancer. Oh. <laughs> now, Rachel now would have had a, a fantastic comeback for that. But Rachel then was still learning, was still finding herself. Um, I was still, I was much younger. And I've learned, you know, being a younger woman in this industry has definitely had its challenges. And and then the stigma of, so I used to hide being a dancer. Like I, I was always getting, I was always getting hired to direct and choreograph because that's a skill set not a lot of people have. And I mm. should find that as like, when I when I was younger, I should have found that as like, oh my gosh, look, look at how much you can direct and choreograph Rachel. But I often found that I was like, oh no, I don't want people to associate me being a dancer because then they won't think I'm, a director's, an actor's director, or they won't think, right? And I had to, and I and I, I just committed to myself to say, get those noises out of your head, get those negative thoughts out. They were just noise. It was noise, 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 noise. Mm-hmm. And, lots of noise. <laughs> yeah, lots of noise from, you know, whatever that might come from. And I said, no, you're doing the work, Rachel. You deserve this. You've earned this. Do the work. And I'm so glad I did because it's resulted in now in it, but you know, my career as as a director and choreographer. So it's, and now, now I embrace my dance. I know that being a dancer and a choreographer makes me that much stronger of a director. And absolutely come full story is that there are several directors who, who don't understand stage pictures, who don't understand how to move and how to breathe and how to feel the the tempo of a scene. And I know that so much of that just inherently comes from my training. And so once again, even though it's still in the arts, I sometimes, it's just amazing that I tried to block that part of me out for so many years. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That makes me a stronger artist. And that's hard for, and, and so many people deal with that on so many different Right. Again, I feel like that's really transferable to even, you know, our listeners who who aren't in the performing arts, maybe have never done anything in the, in the performing arts, don't consider themselves an artist in that way. And definitely, though, these are very real, transferable yeah. experiences. 100%. That was be- beautifully put. Thank you. You've shared so much with us today. I love it. I wasn't sure where the conversation would go. It's always fun to kind of see where it goes. And I want, though, before we go, you to say your like contact information. If folks want to reach out and take classes with you or just follow all your beautiful posts on social media, where can we do that? Thank you. Um, so I have a website, rachelbertone.com, where you can find different services, professional uh, development services that I offer, um, one-on-one training, like I said, workshops. Um, on Facebook, I have a group called Musical Theater with Rachel Bertone, which is where I post all of my open dance classes that I hold. Um, soon to be all through my website, but it, that's still being under construction a little bit. And on Instagram, which is where you found the Choose Joy, I think. Um, it, it was either Instagram or Facebook. Oh yeah, some of the social media. That's Rachel Bertone. And always happy to, I love meeting new people. I love expanding my community. I love being able to help 
you know, young artists, but like you're saying, you know, maybe it's someone I've worked with people who just want to develop more confidence in their speaking skills, who want to develop more confidence. I have a lot of friends who have started their own personal businesses, you know, or they're selling products and, and just like, how do I, like you, how do I express myself? How do I, how am I able to get in front of a group of people and, and feel and engage and with them? And so I love being able to help and mentor in that way. So this has been such a joy. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate your time. Being a part of this. I, I think it's so, I think it's so incredible what you're offering uh, your community and beyond. And I'm, I'm so excited to share this with my community because it's so important. Self-care is so important. So thank you for your work. Oh my God, it was so great to connect with Rachel. I can see and hear so much of myself in her story as well. And I love that she found self-help books and the tools she needed to take care of herself at a young age and recognize the importance of it. In my work, I hope to reach more young folks and engage them in the importance of caring for the self. It is so true that when you make that shift and you prioritize yourself, it actually makes you more productive and more able to care for others. I know that seems backwards, but you will just have to believe me on it, or better yet, try it for yourself. And I love the term emotional technique. It really is. As artists and dancers, we know how important technique is, but your emotions are so, so important too, and they can be complicated to unravel and manage. How you react to stress, rejection, and more. Self-care allows you to build these skills and your emotional technique. And see if you can practice choosing joy. Make it a conscious effort to choose joy. If joy is too strong, try something else. Some days will be better than others, and that's okay. And remember, there are no wrong turns in life, but maybe a few detours along the way. Embrace the journey and enjoy the ride. Thanks for listening to this episode. Remember to subscribe and rate this podcast on your preferred player. The ratings help us grow and share the message of self-care. If you have comments, suggestions, or questions, please reach out directly by emailing podcast at drmcselfcare.com. That's drmcselfcare.com. And come join the cast party at Dr. MC's Self-Care Cabaret on Facebook and Instagram at Dr. MC Self-Care or on my website, drmcselfcare.com. Be sure to like, subscribe, and love me across all my social media platforms for the most up-to-date information on self-care. Thanks, be well, and do good.